you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everybody, it's Thursday, February 1st, 2024. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast, where our measurables are underwhelming. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, joined by Michael F. Florio and uh, Callie making appearance. It's uh, like none of her first off-season appearances. Uh, I mean, we've been in studio, so we haven't had a chance to really hear from Callie this year. So it's good to yeah. hear her. She likes to, to let her voice be heard every once in a while. Absolutely. Uh, and we don't mind having her here. And this, that's the joy of being able to do <laughs> podcasts from home is that, uh, you know, we get real life sounds in here. Hopefully uh, it's raining in Los Angeles. So I feel good that the guy with the blower in my HOA is not going to come by and stand in front of my uh, my <laughs> garage door for 10 minutes. So I think I can uh, I can skip that. So. We're going to talk some free agency today. I know that the Senior Bowl is happening in Mobile right now, and I'm seeing plenty of updates. And, you know, thanks to all the folks out there who were watching and charting and uh, keeping us updated. I did see that Brendan Rice seems to be having a good day down there. So that warms my Trojan heart uh, a little bit. I know Marshawn Lloyd, another Trojan, is having a good day. Uh, Lad McConkey apparently is stepping up. So these are some of the names that we'll be talking about as we get through the spring. I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I, I know that, you know, Florio, I know you're out starting to watch uh, college tape. I'm starting to watch college tape. I feel like at this point in the process, there's probably not enough to uh, really, you know, do a podcast because otherwise it's like, hey, man, somebody's playing well or somebody's not playing well. <laughs> We're so far away from it actually having an actionable outcome right now yeah I, I i will say though i've started like you said this week and the, and the first guy i had to jump on was uh was caleb williams a lot I, a lot to like uh diving into some quarterback stats and stuff like that it look it's very early in the like it hit me today i was like the draft is still a full three months away yeah uh exactly the draft is three months away but the start of free agency is about six weeks away, so about half that time. So I felt like this was a good opportunity to you know kind of start to dive in. And we'll obviously talk more about uh, some of these free agents as we get closer to time. But kind of wanted to go through some of the big names, kind of get a feeling of should they stay where they are, should they go somewhere else, and you know maybe we can kick around some fits for them as well. Uh, again, this is a very beginning beginning conversation. But a couple of news headlines uh, worth talking about here at the start. Um, one. Uh, the, the big actual football related news, the Washington Commanders have hired a new head coach, Dan Quinn, formerly the defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys. He will be their next head coach. Any surprise that they went from a defensive guy in Ron Rivera to another defensive guy in Dan Quinn? It just it just seems like, you know, when 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 teams make a head coaching change, they tend to go in the opposite direction, especially when you have a new ownership group like they do in Washington. So I'll tell you this. It, it kind of caught me off guard that they went with Dan Quinn. Not that it's a bad hire. It just was a surprising hire to me. I was surprised as well, but I don't think it was by choice. Like, I, I think the commanders put all of their eggs in the Ben Johnson basket. If the Lions make and win the Super Bowl, maybe Ben Johnson decides to move on. Who knows? But... 
uh, him choosing to stay in Detroit, Joe Brady staying in Buffalo, Bobby Slowick, more him and and uh, Ben Johnson than than Brady. But all all of these young offensive mind head coaching candidates decided to stay with the team that they were with. So you look at it, it the top candidates left were like Vrabel, Belichick, Quinn. Not not a whole lot of young offensive minds there. So um, I, I was surprised, but. I've seen a lot of people kind of poo-pooing this signing. I, I, I'm not going to do that to Dan Quinn. Uh, I want to see who his OC is. That that always greatly matters. But I think it's worth mentioning that in his tenure as a head coach in Atlanta, the Falcons were always a pass-happy team. And and I think a lot of the time when we hear defensive-minded coaches, we kind of pigeonhole them to going to run the ball a lot, want to rely yeah. on their defense. But that wasn't the case and for, for Quinn in Atlanta. And the commanders, I still think, are in a really good spot, Marcus, because they have the most cap space. They have the number two pick, so likely their pick of Drake May or Jaden Daniels. Then they get two second-round picks, two third-round picks. They have nine picks overall. They have a lot of young talent on the offensive side of the ball. So I... Still think there's reason for optimism here if you are a Commanders fan, even though one of those other signings probably would have been splashier. I, I do think, too, also, when you, you you talk about Dan Quinn and his time in Atlanta, you look at the offensive coordinators that he had, right? He had Kyle Shanahan for a number of years. He had Steve Sarkeesian for uh, a couple of years. He had Dirk Cutter. Um, that was about the time that, that he was replaced by uh, Raheem Morris there as the head coach. But he did have Dirk Cutter for uh, about a season and a half or so there. So he did have guys who wanted to throw the football. And I'm curious whether or not, uh, you know, does he stay with Eric Bieniemy? Does he bring in somebody else? Uh, I think to your point, I think that's going to be really, really important. I, I get the sense, though, that this is a move that suggests one um, you know, they really do want to shore up their defense. And it makes sense when you play in a division with the Eagles and the Cowboys uh, that you really want to try and, and lock down those teams that you're going to see four times uh, a season. The other part is that makes me think that they aren't necessarily, I don't know if they're not sold on Sam Howell or if they are, I, I don't know what this means for their quarterback situation, right? Sam Howell was fun to watch at times, I don't think anybody looks at Sam Howell and is like, yep, this is their quarterback of the future. Um, and so I think that that's going to be interesting because I know how frustrated we were <laughs> with uh, how things went for Terry McLaurin and a lot of the guys in that offense. So I don't I don't see anything yet that allows me to make a firm flag plant on whether this is good or bad for fantasy. I just don't know yet. So um, that's me. I think for sure, though, that there will be a different signal caller there than Sam Howell next year. Probably. Um, it's funny because there was a time early in the season uh, where we were like, OK, maybe there's something here. Right. He was going out and even though he was getting sacked a ton, he was making plays. The upside for Washington, they have the number two pick. So what Drake may possibly um, that could be the answer, in which case the offensive coordinator is going to be important. Yeah, which is why I'm kind of hoping I hadn't thought of it until you said it, but just retain Eric Bieniemy. Like this guy has shown us that he can get the most like no offense to Sam Howell. 
He led the league in sacks and interceptions this year and still put up pretty good numbers as a passer because I, I think largely because of Biennemi. I don't know why, what Eric Biennemi has to do to be considered for a head coaching gig, but we know that he is one of the better offensive minds in the NFL. And I think we saw that this year, right? Where before... Yeah, the easy argument against him was, well, this is Andy Reid's offense and Andy Reid is the one who's doing this and that. And so now he goes to Washington and with that cast of characters there, puts together a pretty good offensive season, all things considered. Um, So he did not get consideration. He did not get the job. Uh, We'll see what his future is, whether it's in Washington or if it ends up being somewhere else. Uh, We shall see. But Dan Quinn is the new head man in Washington, D.C. One other story. That popped up uh, on my Twitter timeline like just minutes before we started uh, recording this show. Uh, a really fun, cool uh, story, a scary story with a happy ending. Uh, a tweet from a man named Andrew Springs. He's at Natural Springs on Twitter. Uh, I'll just kind of read, skim over it for you. A woman on my Southwest flight from Baltimore to Phoenix this morning had a mid-flight medical emergency. The doctor and nurse attending to her couldn't find a strong pulse. Her blood pressure was extremely low and required oxygen to breathe. It was genuinely scary. A man in the aisle seat popped up, said, could it be her blood sugar? I have a diabetic testing kit. It was Raven's tight end, Mark Andrews. Andrews instructed the medical professionals, equal citizen heroes in this story on using his test kit. Eventually, her heart rate stabilized. Paramedics met the flight as soon as we landed. Andrews deplaned quietly, no fanfare. As he has done his whole career, he stepped up in a huge moment when people needed him most. Watching complete strangers spring into action to help save someone's life is truly amazing. So... Um, just a cool story. I mean, you know, it, obviously a scary moment on a flight, especially when you are in the air going cross country from Baltimore to Phoenix. Um, but very cool on Mark Andrews and, and everybody else who was around to, to help this woman. Uh, and, and certainly just, you know, I just wanted to salute him because I thought that was a really cool story this morning. Yeah, for sure. I mean, thank God Mark Andrews was there. Right. He was there that he had a, he had his diabetic testing kit. Uh, I do remember, you know, early in his career that, uh, the stories about him being diabetic and kind of the process that he has to go through to, to keep himself ready to play because of it. So uh, it definitely came in handy on this flight. So uh, shout out to Mark Andrews and everybody there. So um, let's talk some free agency because I, I broke this down. I didn't go through all of them. I went through some of the guys that I thought were the bigger names at their respective positions. And we can kind of talk through what the future should be for some of these guys here. Uh, so we'll start at quarterback because why not? Two names that popped out to me. Um, First one is Kirk Cousins, who was having a great season. The Vikings were sort of up and down while he was playing for them, but then suffered the Achilles injury about midway through the year. At that point, it was just sort of survival mode for the Vikings. I mean, they went through Nick Mullins. They went through Jaron Hall. They brought in Josh Dobbs, and and he uh, did some good things for a couple of weeks. But really, it was just kind of survival mode after losing Kirk Cousins uh, after the first eight games. For the Vikings, they've got Justin Jefferson, right? They've got uh, TJ Hawkins, and they've got Jordan Addison, does it make sense for Kirk Cousins to come back there and see what they can do? Or or would he be better in another spot right now? I think it's there's incentive for both sides, I think, to for them to come back. And, and we've already heard Kirk Cousins say he'd be willing to give the Vikings a hometown discount. He's like, at this point in my career, I've made so much money. And it's like, yeah, Kirk Cousins is the best <laughs> at getting paid. No, no one, maybe Floyd Mayweather, and that's about it, at better at getting paid than Kirk Cousins. But uh 
Yeah, he, he's at an advanced stage in his career. He's with a, a head coach in an offensive system that not only does he know very well, but he's thrived in it, and he has great weapons there around him. Uh, and for the Vikings, it's like, what's plan B if you don't have Kirk Cousins? There's no, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you ran through every quarterback on your roster behind him this year and none stuck. Um, you don't have a great draft pick. Maybe you could get like Bo Nix or I, I have a Viking fan friend who keeps hoping that J.J. McCarthy falls. I, I don't think he's going to fall unless they move up. But I, I don't see what the contingency plan is for for the Vikings. The only team that I thought had a really good shot of maybe stealing him away was the 49ers Mm -hmm. uh, because him and Shanahan go back. And I actually, it it got deleted in the drafts forever, but at halftime, Marcus, uh, of that 49ers Lions game the other day, (laughs) I found a picture of Kirk Cousins and Kyle Shanahan, and I wrote, just saying, and I was waiting for after the game to hit send. never got to hit it. I I don't think the 49ers are going to move on from Brock after he gets into the Super Bowl. So I think, at that point, if you're Kirk Cousins, you're like, where's there a better spot for me to go? I will tell you that there were parts of 49ers Twitter that sort of asked the question out loud in that first half when things were going bad uh, and it looked like the Lions might be going to the Super Bowl. I-, I think you're right. I mean, I think if it wasn't going to be San Francisco, then I don't know where else where else he would want to go. Where else? that? Yeah, I'm sure there are other teams that would love to have a guy like Kirk Cousins, but it just doesn't necessarily make sense. Um, he and the Vikings have been good together or good enough together for the last several years. Why not try to run it back? Um, you know, you've got the weapons, at least in the passing game. I think they need help in the run game still. Um, but they've got the weapons in the passing game. It just makes the most sense for him to stick around in Minnesota. And if you're going to give him a discount, it, it definitely makes sense for, for him to stick around. It's wild to think that Robert Griffin III and Kirk Cousins were drafted in the same draft by Washington um, and RG three has been on TV for a while and Kirk Cousins is still <laughs> going, um, you know, not everything that happened to Griffin was Griffin's fault. Um, you know, he had injury issues obviously early in his career, but the fact that RG three was supposed to be the guy and Kirk Cousins was kind of an insurance policy and, uh, just shows that we have no idea what's going to happen. We have we, we can, we can try to predict. We have no idea what's going to happen. I will say, I, I looked at his draft class randomly like a week or two ago, and it's mm-hmm. like he's he's surpassed RG3. He I'm not saying he's better than Andrew Luck, but career-wise, he has had a better career than Andrew Luck. It's like him or Russell Wilson potentially for best quarterback from that draft class, which is wild. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, look, he had the benefit of having an offensive line that sort of protected him. Whereas Andrew Luck didn't. I mean, you know, Andrew Luck's going to be one of the great what ifs in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Just what what could have happened if he had been able to stay healthy, if his team had actually built an offensive line in front of him and he just didn't get pummeled um, week in and week out for the first couple of years of his career. Who the knows? GOAT discussion might be because he was kind of in between Brady and like he would have been there for the end yeah. of Brady's run and for the beginning of Mahomes run. So who yeah. knows how that would have shaped out? That would have been wild in the AFC, right? If you had some sort of round robin of Tom Brady, Andrew Luck, uh, and up and coming Patrick Mahomes, um, 
that would have been just wild to, to see how that would have worked out, <laughs> especially with all of them playing in different divisions. So, you know, the chance of them all running into each other in the playoffs would have been pretty great. And that's right. We even gotten to Josh Allen, you know, coming in here, too. So that, yeah. that would have been crazy. It would have been a lot of fun. Would have been crazy. Uh, the other quarterback that I thought was of note was Baker Mayfield. And I just don't see anything but him going back to Tampa. Like, I don't. He's in a place where he he's had success last year. He seems to be comfortable. Um, you know, I just don't know why he would want to leave. And I don't know why the Bucks would want him to get out of town. This just feels like things are going to stay status quo there. I, I agree with you because the teams that are in need of a quarterback have good draft picks. And this yeah. is a deep quarterback draft class. So I, I think they'll go the young route. Um, my only concern, I agree with you, everything you said. I think it makes perfect sense for both sides. My only concern is a new offensive coordinator with no Dave Canales there. Mike Evans might be gone. This is all stuff to worry about for next year, but uh, the Bucks' offense could look very different even if Baker Mayfield is back. That's true. Uh, and there's a thing I think we talked about when Canales uh, got hired away that say what you want about him. He has had to endure a lot of change throughout his career that it just seems like he never gets the same offensive system more than two years in a row at any point. Uh, he's been through a number of offensive coordinators, a number of different teams uh, for him to come in and look, he had that one great game with the Rams last year when he like had just gotten off the bus basically and beats the Raiders on Thursday night. Um, beyond that, it wasn't really special, but this year was a good year for Baker. So uh, I, I think this is a, a marriage that stays together because it just works, I think, for both sides. Um, but you're, to your point, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this offense, uh, where Mike Evans goes. Uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit uh, later on in the show. All right, so quarterbacks are easy. I think those guys stay where they are. Running back is where it gets interesting because you've got a lot of guys out there who are really talented. We know running backs don't command a large salary, but teams could always use some guys. So let's start with Saquon because he kind of was the Giants offense this year. I mean, Tommy DeVito was a fun story. It was it was it was amusing. I mean, you know, we certainly made hay out of it on uh, Fantasy Live this year with a flex or forget about. Um, but this offense really was about Saquon Barkley. But if you're Saquon, do you want to stay in New York where this team's going to kind of be treading water in a really tough division for the next couple of years. And is there, is there a team out there that's going to offer you what you want in terms of salary and opportunity? Uh, I mean, where do you see, what do you see for Saquon coming up? Uh, I, I could, I, I think you make really good points about Saquon being late in his career and, and potentially wanting to go somewhere to win and stuff. But the question of like, where can he get the money and the opportunity I'm not sure there's a better spot for either of those than the New York Giants because it wouldn't surprise me uh, if they use their franchise tag again on him uh, to avoid paying long term. But I do think, especially for a team like the Giants who aren't particularly going to, to be expected to contend for like a title or anything this year, and now they're sharing the stadium with, you hope, Aaron Rodgers for the season and stuff. <laughs> so there's that... like. They need a face of their franchise, and it's not Daniel Jones. It is Saquon Barkley. So I could see, for that reason, the two of them coming together and uh, being like, yeah, I know we're not going to be the best team in the league, but you guys are still going to give me the most money and the most touches. And from the Giants' side, it's like, 
you're not the guy that we drafted in 2018 anymore, but you're still better than anything else we could get. You're still the face of this franchise. You mean a whole lot. So uh, I think for those reasons, I could see these two running it back again. It would just be weird to see Saquon in another jersey. It would be weird to see Saquon in another jersey. Um, but let me let me throw one out there for you and see Ooh. if you agree. Uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I like it. I know Rashad White had a good season. They figured out ways to use him and make him effective. Um, But if you're giving me a choice between Rashad White and Saquon Barkley, that's not a choice. Uh, They've got a decent amount of cap space right now. They do have a need at running back. And look, if they aren't going to bring back Mike Evans, which, you know, who knows? We'll we'll see one way or another. um, That does give them some money to go out and spend. Uh, Again, admittedly, running backs aren't commanding huge salaries, but... Could be an interesting fit seeing him down in Tampa. Uh, it gives it gives Baker one more option. We know he'll check it down in case he needs to. I think there could be a fit there if they decide that's what they want to do. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Josh Jacobs, uh, another okay year. Uh, last year I thought was was better. I mean, he went through the uh, he went through all the running back blues in the offseason, uh, like everybody else did. And then in the end, Uh, Just 800 rushing yards, played 13 games this season, uh, fewer than 300 receiving yards after the year before, really kind of opening upping his his pass catching game. Uh, This feels like another one, though, where he just kind of stays put. I think if you're the Raiders, you're crazy to let Josh Jacobs get out of town right now. I agree with that point, but I kind of. okay. so the first thought I had was Baltimore. Because they they really do need to shore up that that running back position, mm-hmm. and he is physical. He he can do kind of what all of their backs what they have like Justice Hill have a role, and and Gus he could kind of do all of that in one. The only reason I was thinking he walks is because I don't think he's going to want to sign the franchise tag again. And I think if you're the Raiders, you're looking to build up that defense a little bit more for Antonio Pierce. So Zemir White showed that he can play at a high level there. Um, this is one that I went back and forth on because I, I could definitely see the Raiders being like, he means a lot to this team. We can't let him walk. But I, I could see jo- Josh Jacobs being like, I don't want to be back on a one-year deal. So if you're not going to pay me, I'm going to go somewhere that will. Um, the issue is you go down the list of teams in the league and there's not a ton that have a glaring need at running back. No, I mean, I think you're right. I think what has happened is because we have so many teams running committee systems now, right? There isn't this desire to go out and get one guy necessarily that they, they think can be a game changer. It's a nice luxury to have. I don't think it's a necessity. And so because of that, guys like Saquon, guys like Josh Jacobs, that is why, uh, you know, like Austin Eckler, when, you know, wherever he lands potentially, um, that's why they're not going to see a lot of big opportunities. Um Washington's a name that maybe could be out there. Washington, I think, also works for Saquon, too. Uh, Yeah. You know, I mean. Giants fans would cry. Giants fans would absolutely cry. And I think (laughs) a lot of it depends on, you know, how much they like Brian Robinson. Um, I think the Antonio Gibson experiment is sort of come and gone (laughs) at this point. But Robinson does not catch the football. So I think that's sort of a thing that's that's kind of working against him there. Um, But I just I think in the end, it just makes the most sense for Josh Jacobs to stay home. And it just I think it. Yeah, we'll see if the Raiders can work out a multi-year deal, but this just seems like a, a relationship that should continue between the two sides. Um, speaking of Washington, what about Tony Pollard in Washington? Uh, I, I could, I, I think Tony Pollard is gone from Dallas. I, I yeah. could definitely see him in Washington. Um, 
I, I, I was like, oh, the Chargers maybe is like an Austin Eckler type of replacement. The, the one thing I know for sure is that no team, I, I, okay, I don't know it for sure, but in my opinion, I don't think any team is going to view Tony Pollard as a workhorse running back because we saw his efficiency take a huge hit this year. I, I'm questioning how much of it is going back to that injury that he suffered uh, a year ago where he did not have the same high end speed. He didn't have the same burst, all of that. Um, I, I could see him being a secondary back. One idea I had was like pair him up with DeAndre Swift and mm. let him be the new Kenny Gainwell in Philly or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think he's a number two running back, or at least that's what the NFL is going to view him as. Right. And uh, good thing he got the franchise tag this past year because if he continues to look like he did this past season, his days are are numbered, I would say. I, you know, I just I think what happened is and it was the concern we all had about Tony Pollard, right? What happens if he gets a large workload? Can he continue to be as efficient? And the answer turned out to be no, that, that he was really good as a complimentary back, but that he wasn't able to really get it done as the guy. Uh, it definitely didn't help that him at the goal line was was a struggle. Um, it, it was, you know, I think someone tweeted what was one of the great rivalries in the NFL. And I think it was Ian Harditz that responded with <laughs> Tony Pollard in the goal line. Um, cause it just, <laughs> it really was bad. Um, and I think you're right. I think he's a good change of pace back. DeAndre Swift and Tony Pollard in Philadelphia. Why are we, we have all these NFC East backs just swapping spots right now. Right. I mean, <laughs> trying to put Saquon in Washington, Pollard in Philly. Um, you know, just a lot of musical chairs there. But I do think I think he's a better complimentary option than I think is the main guy. And I think that's what we learned this year. Although here I'll say this. Let's say Dallas moves on from Tony Pollard. What do they do? Do they I I don't I don't know. I mean, I could see Jerry Jones going out and spending a high draft pick on a running back because it's Jerry and you know, he's like to hell with what you guys say <laughs> in the media. I'm gonna do what I do. I just don't know what they do at running back without Tony Pollard. I, I have a fun idea. What's that? They signed the next running back that we're about to talk about. Oh, 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 and the next running back we're going to talk about is Derrick Henry, which I don't hate it. I, I, <laughs> it's I it's don't the most Jerry it. Jones thing in the world. It really is the most Jerry. To not only sign Derrick Henry, but to sign him to like a sizable contract at this point <laughs> in his career, that would be prime Jera to do that. But that would be a really nice, because having a pass catching back is a nice option, right? But I don't think it's mandatory for this Cowboys offense, especially what we saw the back half of the season when Dak got it going and he had CD Lamb involved and he got the tight ends involved in Brandon Cooks. Throwing the ball to Tony Pollard was sort of a last resort, it felt like, in the second half of the season. And so, like, if that's the case, Derrick Henry fits perfectly with what you want to do. And Derrick Henry has shown us in recent years, yes, he's not Austin Eckler, but he can catch the ball if you mm-hmm. throw it his way. And with how awesome the Cowboys offense was this past year downfield like CD lamb Brandon cooks those guys were extremely efficient uh, on deep balls especially CD lamb um you have to choose now do you want to stack the box against Derrick Henry like teams have done his entire career or do you want to try to, to play too high and, and cover CD lamb downfield so if that is the case and we could get Derrick Henry with fewer stacked boxes and more running lanes he could have a resurgence and he's made it him and the Titans have both made it very, very clear that they are both going to go in separate directions. I mean, they let him address the crowd after week <laughs> yeah. 18. Like, if that doesn't tell you he's moving on, nothing will. But uh, 
that when I was I was like Baltimore is always one we're gonna hear I think tied to Derrick Henry people always mention the Bills but I I don't think they'll be willing to pay enough to get Derrick Henry the Cowboys are the one where I'm like they have a need and they have an owner crazy enough to give him a lot of money I don't I don't know that Baltimore makes a major change at running back I mean, maybe they add somebody but I just don't see them making a big splash um, in in free agency or the draft when it comes to the running back position I think they're generally feeling like they're okay. sadly i think i think it's over for jk dobbins by the way me too which is really really unfortunate mitchell yeah keaton mitchell i forgot keaton mitchell will be back next year too so that if he can get healthy he he has a lot of juice that's a that's a big reason i think that the, the ravens probably don't do anything uh in the offseason at running back so uh derrick henry to dallas yeah that i okay i'm stuck on that one this has to happen now that's <laughs> that's all there is to it that just has to happen um then there's austin eckler who, you know, I know we always talk about it. We all have a, a soft spot in our heart for him because he is one of us that he lives and dies with fantasy football every week. And it was, to say the least, just a rough year for him. Um, you know, obviously there was the offseason, you know, contract drama and the you know Zoom calls with running backs. Then he starts here. He gets hurt early on. It just never seemed to really get right. Uh did not have a hundred yard rushing game. In fact, didn't even have, uh, had, well, actually I said had one at the end of the year, the last, uh, or first game of the season. Side note, uh, pro football reference, put your chronological order with the, the oldest date at the top and the most recent date at the bottom. That's just me Agreed. complaining. <laughs> it's just frustrating. Agreed. So we had a hundred yards early in the season, uh, didn't get to 70 yards, uh, the rest of the year <laughs> after that. Um, this was kind of the worst time for Austin Eckler to have one of his worst seasons. I think there will be a market for him. I think it's going to be small and it's going to be late, but I think he still has something left and somebody will take a chance on him. But right now I can't tell you who that team would be. I don't know where there's an easy, obvious landing spot for him. I don't have like a specific this, he, but there's so many teams that I think could use in Austin Eckler because his skill set is so transcendent. He's almost, it's he's not a wide receiver, but it's like adding to your passing attack by bringing in Austin Eckler. And some team, like the Texans have a whole bunch of cap space and their running back position. Singletary played well. It, was a, it, it wasn't great. Uh, so you add him for CJ Stroud there. I think that could be a lot of fun. Um, the Bears, depending on, on what they do in, in the draft. Um, one... I don't think this is going to happen because like there's certain teams like I would love him on the Bills as a uh, Eckler and Bills fan, but I don't <laughs> think they're going to do that. Uh, I don't know if they'll have the cap to do it, but the one that I was like, this would be the most fun, I think, is the Denver Broncos because <laughs> Sean Payton then has his new Alvin Kamara, right? Like he he no one throws to the running back more than Sean Payton led offenses. So that could be a really fun one. But I agree with you. There's no like clear, obvious spot that he fits but I think he can elevate a lot of offenses because I'm not convinced convinced that he is is done or anything like that I mean I, I keep saying it every time we talk about Eckler and I wish that something came out to maybe say like yeah this is true but I keep thinking that that high ankle sprain that he suffered in week one and then put him on the IR had a lasting impact on him because I, I know running backs fall off a, a hill pretty quickly in the NFL, but it literally happened overnight for Austin Eckler. Yeah, I, I think there's still something left. Uh, I, I like the teams you named. 
I mean, I think I think the Panthers could use him. I don't want to see him go there. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, just for fantasy purposes, I don't want to see him go there. But I think they could use him, certainly. Uh, you know, I know we always like to mention the Chiefs when we talk about free agent running backs. Though I, I'm curious what they would do, considering what they've gotten out of uh, Isaiah Pacheco, if they decide to make that, that sort of move. I don't know. He could be an upgrade to Jarek McKinnon there and just be the, the the B option to Isaiah Pacheco. That It would be sad for fantasy because it would take a huge hit, but for real-life purposes, I think he could be really useful there. Yeah, I, I think he, he could absolutely be useful there for sure. Um, last running back that I, I've got on this list, obviously there are a ton more, but these are the guys I thought were the most interesting to talk about, is DeAndre Swift. And you mentioned... Maybe him and Tony Pollard, uh, you know, forming like Voltron in the backfield uh, to, to create a really strong two man committee. Swift is another one, though, that I if I'm Philly, I don't really want him to get out of town because uh, he gave us a lot when, you know, when they remain, remember to use him. Um, he gave them a lot. Uh, you know, I will say this as somebody who had DeAndre Swift on a couple of rosters. It was frustrating to see him get tackled at the one because you knew what was coming and it wasn't a DeAndre Swift touchdown. Uh, but I think in terms of his productivity, I think if you're Philadelphia, this is a guy that you just you can't let him get out of town because all things considered, he'll give you some good numbers. Um, he's not necessarily going to break the bank. I, I just I can't imagine them letting him walk without a real solid fight. I, I agree with everything you said. He he was a great runner for them. He was an even better pusher of Jalen Hurts at the goal line for them. He just. He fit the system, and like you said, he's not going to break the bank. Uh, he'll be more expensive than what they were paying any of their running backs this year because they were combined making like $4 million or something like that. But, yeah, I, I think they let Miles Sanders walk the year prior. I, I think they found something with Swift, and uh, why break it up? I, I think you bring him back, and, and you the offense wasn't the problem until late in the year, and it wasn't a DeAndre Swift fault. It was not a DeAndre Swift problem at all. So who knows? There could be a ton of movement with running backs. There could be very little movement with running backs. And I think that's going to be an interesting kind of position to watch. Another interesting position to watch is going to be wide receivers. We'll get to that and tight ends after a quick break. Stick around for more of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Diving in, our first look at the free agent class of 2024. Uh, free agency officially begins uh, in mid-March. Uh, let's see, make sure, make sure I have the, the date correct. It is March 13th is when free agency begins in the NFL. Felt like we should probably dive in and start to take a look at some of the names that are out there uh, and what their futures potentially could be. This is just the uh, the beginning. There is more to come for sure. But we talked a lot about wide receivers this year and that there are going to be some interesting names. And I went to look at the list of free agent wide receivers. And what I took away from it is that it's a top heavy list, that it's not necessarily a deep list, but it's a very top heavy list. And so I, I got the guys that at the, at the top, I think could be the most intriguing starting uh, with T Higgins, who 
He was in and out of the lineup, uh, was banged up a little bit this year in Cincinnati. Statistically, it wasn't the kind of season we were expecting from Higgins. In fact, you could say that probably across the board about a lot of the Bengals, uh, mostly because injuries sort of happened this year. But there's no doubt that T. Higgins is a talented guy. The Bengals have said that they kind of want to bring him back, but they've also sort of hinted that they may not be able to offer him the kind of numbers that he might be looking for. So, I mean, for you, do you expect him back in Cincinnati? Or if not, is there a good spot for him to be? I go back and forth on this one because the Bengals have the sixth most cap space this year as of right now. They're they're going to go after him. But for the purposes that you said, like they, they have to pay Joe Burrow a bunch of money. They have to pay Jamar Chase a bunch of money. It's hard to justify paying two wide receivers and a quarterback when you need to field a 53-man roster. So uh, I think if he's back, it's on the franchise tag, and I don't think he's going to really want to go for that. I've seen a lot of people saying the Panthers, and while that would be good for for Dave Canales and for Bryce Young and and the Panthers' real-life purposes, it would be terrible for T. Higgins' fantasy value. So I I don't want him to end up there. I mean, I'm going to say this team a lot. The Chiefs would make a lot of sense for him. Yeah. Um, I, I think this year, though, wide receiver is going to be the most interesting position for free agency because it is such a loaded wide receiver draft class that a lot of teams are going to show their hand a month early because if you're a wide receiver needy team and you're not going after these guys that we're going to talk about, it's probably pointing like, hey, we're going to we're going to be very active in the draft going after this position. So one of the teams I would suggest, and it depends on another name that is on this list, but uh, the Arizona Cardinals, I think, mm-hmm. would be an interesting an interesting fit there because obviously um, they're still in on on Kyler Murray. No surprise. I, I think they should be. Um, but they do need to sort of give him some help. I mean, they've got to kind of build around him. It looks like, uh, you know, they've sort of figured out the the tight end issue there. I know you like Michael Wilson. I think he's an emerging talent there, but they do need a true number one wide receiver playmaker type guy. Um, you know, I, I think T Higgins has that, that potential. Uh, he's never going to be the number one on a team with Jamar Chase, just never going to happen. But I do think he can sort of approximate that in Arizona. Again, it depends on what happens with Marquise Brown, um, which I guess maybe we can just roll this all into one and talk about talk about Hollywood. I mean, does he stick? He's with his old college teammate. We, you know, I don't think we've talked about that enough. Does it make sense to keep Marquise Brown and add T. Higgins? Do you swap out one for the other? I mean, what what do you think is the best course of action for Arizona? I think Marquise Brown is going to be playing somewhere else next year. Um, the Cardinals. This was a great point by you, that you brought up because they have a, a great chance of completely revamping this offense in one offseason. You could sign. T. Higgins or one of these other wide receivers we're going to talk about, and then use that fourth overall pick if you want on a Marvin Harrison Jr. or Neighbors mm. or whoever whoever it is that they want. And then suddenly with, with Kyler and McBride there and James Conner still, you're cooking with fire, and you could be a playoff team next year, I, I think. So uh, I, I think Marquise Brown, though, is going to move on. He's going to be the cheapest of the wide receivers that we're going to talk about. He is one that could be a fallback option again for the Chiefs. For the Chiefs, he's, yeah. He's also one that, as a Bills fan, I've kind of circled because Josh Allen hasn't had a speedy wide receiver since John Brown. And uh, Marquise Brown could be the perfect complementary piece to Stephon Diggs, I think. So that's a fun one. The Chargers need some speed. Um, 
There's a lot of there's a lot of teams that will be in the market for Marquise Brown. He's one of those players, Marcus, that I think is going to get more money than people than fans kind of realize. And they're like, he's not that good. But the impact that his speed has on an offense cannot be just put into a stat number. It's like why Marquise uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling never leaves the field for the Chiefs, even though he puts up terrible numbers. Because <laughs> when you have that wide receiver with that kind of speed downfield, you have to always account for that. Is the Gabe Davis experiment over in Buffalo? Is he? Because I think he's a free agent. Is he gone? He is. It's over. I mean, he was screaming with fans after the the Chiefs game. I think that was kind of the final. I think both sides know it's time. I think Gabe Davis could go somewhere else and maybe put up a little bit better numbers. And I think the Bills can get more production out of that spot. Gabe Davis feels like, you know, Alan Lazard (laughs) 2.0. Right. I mean, like a guy that we're all sort of hoping, like, you know, really hoping it works out. And he's got the quarterback play around him. And it just never, you know, like Alan Lazard, man, he had Aaron Rodgers. He's had Aaron Rodgers for years and he just is, right? And <laughs> that sort of feels like Gabe Davis, right? He's had Josh Allen and he just is. And I don't know where Gabe Davis could go where we're like, yep, this is the spot, right? I mean, uh, maybe he goes to, you know, again, Kansas City. But uh, again, like, I don't know that that Gabe Davis is going to be anything other than who he really is. I think that's just sort of it for him. Um, The other really intriguing name is Mike Evans. And I don't know how to get a read on this one, because I think if you're Tampa, you really do want to try to bring him back. Like, why wouldn't you want to run it back with Baker and Evans after what happened this past year? But uh, what will the market be for Mike Evans? There are definitely... I feel like there's there's no place that isn't a fit for a guy like Mike Evans, right? He can go anywhere. He can sort of fit there. I mean, but if you're Tampa, don't you just do whatever, lock the doors, keep him in the building. Just You, you can't let him get away. I, I think they're going to try to do everything in their power, which means offer him a big contract. Like you said, he is not only still a very, very good wide receiver. He means a ton to that. Franchise. I mean, he was there before Brady. He was there after Brady. He's won division titles with multiple different quarterbacks, won the Super Bowl. Uh, It's going to probably break all of their records if he stays there. The only way I think he walks is a championship contender blows him away. Because no offense to the Bucs. Uh, it feels like this past year was their ceiling if Baker Mayfield is their quarterback. And I could see Mike Evans trying to uh, go out with with another ring or something like that. I say go out. He's not going out yet, but he's (laughs) he's played more football than he has left. So I I think that's something that these players think about. And the one team, and I know I said I'm going to keep saying this team a lot, but I've been saying Mike Evans to the Chiefs for since like week six or whatever like that. Um, I, I just see this as a great fit because... Uh, he can be that downfield presence that that the Chiefs love in their offense, like I was just saying about MVS. But he he gives Mahomes a type of weapon that he's never had before. Not like the downfield speed that Tyreek Hill brought, but with a big catch radius and, and a YOLO go up and grab it kind of type of receiver. And I keep kind of thinking that Travis Kelsey's going to hang it up after the Super Bowl. And if that is the case, they're going to make wide receiver a huge priority. So I think he's wearing red next year. It's either going to be KC or Tampa Bay, (laughs) in my opinion. But I could see some other maybe title contenders. Like if Houston tried to blow him away or something like that, I could see him considering that. Yeah. um, Houston would be an interesting spot. I do think – I think it's – I think your two picks are probably – maybe the, the best ones between uh, 
yeah, you know, the Chiefs and the Bucks. I will say this though, for for the Texans, uh, Mike Evans was born in Galveston. Um, you know, went to Texas A and M. He is a he is a guy from the the state of Texas. He is a guy from kind of the Houston area. Galveston's not really that far. Um, it would be a homecoming. So maybe maybe. I don't expect him to give the Texans a hometown discount, but maybe, <laughs> maybe he just wants to come home, play for a potential contender, play with a young quarterback in CJ Stroud. Um, I mean, I will tell you a, a lineup of Mike Evans, Nico Collins and Tank Dell. That's Ooh. pretty scary. <laughs> that's really, really scary. If that, if that actually comes to pass, uh, we'll see. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., I don't know anything other than keeping him in in Indianapolis. You've got a young quarterback in Anthony Richardson, and we didn't get to see a ton of him this year, but there's still optimism about you know, what he can be. Why would you let your number one wide receiver walk? Like if the Colts let him go, then it, I, I, you know, they should just rethink everything, just burn it all down. But Pittman has to stay in Indy for me. I completely agree. They they have a really good young wide receiver room, but it falls completely apart if you lose Michael Pittman Jr. And we saw that when he missed time this year. The other receivers, because it's a whole bunch more responsibility being asked to be the one rather than Michael Pittman taking all of this away from and you guys just kind of got to go do your thing. So I agree. I think with the fact that uh, he got huge numbers and usage uh, usage out of with, with Shane Steichen, the fact that Anthony Richardson will be back and healthy this year. Your goal, if you're the Colts, is I, I know they almost made the playoffs this year, but your number one goal is still to develop Anthony Richardson, who I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, he lost a year. It's going to hurt. He is still younger than, I believe, every quarterback in the, or all the high-end quarterbacks in this year's draft class, except for maybe <laughs> one. Like It is insane how young he is. So, yeah, I think you have to keep him in there just for Anthony Richardson's development. Yeah, I mean, I just I think this is one that that has to stay status quo. If um, again, Pittman's a guy that I'm sure could fit in a lot of different places. But if you're if you're Indianapolis, you pull out all the stops to make sure that he stays with the Colts uh, going forward. Uh, The other one is Calvin Ridley. And we were super excited about Calvin Ridley coming into the season. He had the great uh, start to the year. And then he vanished for long periods as Christian Kirk was kind of doing his thing. Um, We saw Ridley sort of come back late in the season. I don't know what what to make of Calvin Ridley. I mean, I think he's still a talented guy and maybe it was the layoff. Maybe it was just a team with a whole lot of uh, receiving options. But I am not nearly as excited about Calvin Ridley right now as I was, say, you know, six, seven months ago. Um, I don't know how you feel about Ridley right now. Exactly how you do. And it was like about a year ago at this time where he wrote that Player Tribune article and was like 1,400 yards. I... And I was like, I'm running through a wall for this guy right now. Uh, And then he did it. He didn't live up to it. I think he's, for NFL purposes, I think he's like a hybrid between. I don't think he's a true NFL wide receiver one, but I think he's good enough where he can get by as one. And if you put him as a two, I think he's one of the best twos in football. Um, The thing is, the Jags don't have a ton of cap space this year. They already are invested to some uh, key offensive positions there. I Ridley's a hard one to get a read on. I could see the Jags bringing him back and saying like our offense before Trevor Lawrence got hurt wasn't 
the big issue for us. But at the same point in time, I wouldn't be surprised if he's playing elsewhere next year. He's he's one of those receivers, Marcus, that I think it's going to matter where the other names that we've talked about already, where they end up playing and where there's Mm -hmm. an opening. And then I think Calvin Ridley will find a home. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the case. Again, he's a guy that I think could sort of slot in, but I do think we have downgraded our expectations for him after what we saw this past season in Jacksonville. So uh, we'll see about Calvin Ridley. Just, that's that's one that I just can't really pin down what's a good fit for him. Um, I put three tight ends on this list. We don't have to spend a lot of time on them because I don't know that... I feel like two of the names aren't really as interesting and I'm just forcing the issue because whatever. Um but Dalton Schultz, I think, is genuinely interesting because I think he he did some really good things there in Houston. We saw him really start to blossom in Dallas previously, but this feels like another one where you're building a really good offense there with the Texans. I wouldn't let him get away. I mean, you've already got, you know, you have two good receivers in Dell and Collins. Um, why wouldn't you keep it with Dalton Schultz? And then, you know, maybe you make a run into Mike Evans, but at least, you know, you've got three solid pass catchers for CJ Stroud. If you keep Schultz uh, in the building, I was going to say the only way I could see him walking is if like they did get Mike Evans and they're like, all right, we can't afford you anymore. Dalton Schultz. But yeah, I agree with you. I think, uh, not only do, do they have such good young weapons here, he was a safety blanket for CJ Stroud on a lot of plays. And, and, Collins and Tank Dell were more winning downfield, whereas Dalton Schultz was the like your short to intermediate target. So I think there's uh, a lot of value into being able to layer your offense like that. And I think like Bobby Slowick's coming back. You have CJ Stroud there. Like why why not run this back and see what the Texans could be in a second year uh, of with with these quarterbacks and these coaches? I mean, look, they win. The AFC South this past year. Now, granted, a lot of it had to do with the Jaguars sort of collapsing down the stretch, but I think that gives this team confidence and belief that they can really put something together and actually truly go after it in 2024. So uh, you're, I'm with you. Let, let's run this back. Let's keep all these pieces together and run this back. Uh, last two I've been on this list Noah Fant, Hunter Henry. Uh, either one of those guys move the needle for you at all. No, I, Henry more than fans. I, I could see both being like number two tight ends on their team or something like that. But I do think both will be playing elsewhere next year because both are on teams that have new head coaches. Uh, and I know like Gerard Mayo comes from Bill Belichick, but I think at, at that point, like these coaches are going to want to bring in their own guys and kind of get the, the old regime out of the building a little bit. So I think for those reasons, both of these two will probably be playing on different teams. Yeah, I think they, they both move along. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know that either of them really get as excited. You know, Fant probably doesn't get drafted in most fantasy leagues. Hunter Henry <laughs> may be very, very late uh, in fantasy leagues, but but I don't know that that either one of them. I just I just need to fill this out. I wanted to just fill out the. I, it felt it felt sad having Dalton Schultz's name be the only one <laughs> under tight ends on the rundown. So I put these other two guys there. Remember when Hunter Henry was going to be the next Antonio Gates? Oh, man, I was so big on that. <laughs> I was so excited about Hunter Henry coming in to, uh, to the Chargers. And then I remember being excited uh, when he went to New England and then they signed Jonu Smith like right after that. And I was like, oh, um, Hunter Henry has kind of become like the new Mike Gesicki in that like he's that guy that when I draft him, I don't feel great about it. And I plug him in. And I'm just hoping he scores a touchdown. But that's kind of which it. is funny because they were teammates this year. They were teammates this year. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, I. What could have been? Well, at least what I wanted to be. And same with Noah Fant, right? Because he and T.J. Hawkinson were college teammates 
they were drafted the same year, I believe. And uh, Hawkinson has really blossomed and Fant has never really developed um, and the way I think we thought he would. I could be misremembering, but I what I remember is Fant came with more height. Mm hmm. Because he was better, more like the more athletic of the two. Yes, he was the more athletic of the two. Hawkinson was the big. Hawkinson was the guy that, you know, he was one of many tight ends in recent years that have gotten the baby Gronk sort of label, which oh, seems, yeah. seems completely unfair really to any player. Um, but Hawkinson has really, I mean, he's lived up to a point. I mean, like, I don't think anybody's going to be Rob Gronkowski. It's going to be a long time before we see that. But, but. Uh, Hawkinson has, has performed on a really high level, but yeah, Noah Fant, it's just never, never really happened for him, uh, to this point in his career. I don't know. So I just, uh, I just Googled Iowa tight ends, NFL draft 2024. And apparently Eric all is declared. I don't know a thing about him, but I'm, I'm interested now because of where he went to school, Iowa. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it has been the cradle of tight ends for a really long time, but especially in recent years, uh, you know, like Kittle, Hawkinson, Laporta, um, you know, they have put out some really, really good tight ends in recent years. So maybe it is time to pay attention. Who knows? Um, other thing that popped up, I don't know if you saw this, uh, apparently on the Nickelodeon broadcast of the Super Bowl, uh, SpongeBob is going to perform Sweet Victory to start it off. Ooh, that is a great song. It is a great song, uh, which means I'm about to like, you know, turn over to Nickelodeon, at least to see the, the beginning of the Super Bowl broadcast. I, I, I probably know more words to that song than I care to admit. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know. I think when I'm done here, I may just go fire it up. I may uh, pull up YouTube and start uh, putting Sweet Victory on repeat. So uh, <laughs> we have already gotten a win. We're not even a Super Bowl Sunday. So the American people. Uh, are already winning. So there it is. Um, I guess I should ask you, are you watching any uh, Pro Bowl stuff this weekend? Flag football, anything with skills challenges, anything like that? So this is me with all all-stars. Baseball, basketball, football, sport, doesn't matter. I love the skills competition stuff, like mm -hmm. uh, dodgeball, the, the helicopter catches, all of those crazy catches and stuff that they're going to do. I love that. Just like I love the three-point contest and the dunk contest, and I love the home run derby. I do not watch all-star games. I, I liked them when I was younger. I thought baseball was cool when we were when I was younger because it was like, oh, we don't see AL and NL players match up this much. Now we see them all the time. Yeah, so it loses its appeal, and I, I'm always like, if if an All Star game truly mattered, you wouldn't be pulling out Mike Trout after an inning. So <laughs> right. that, that's always my argument against it. Yeah, I mean, like I always watched baseball because it was the one that was most like an actual game. Um, you know, it, it most approximated like a real baseball game, and then they did that silly home field advantage in the World Series thing for a I few hated years. That. that was terrible. That was stupid. <laughs> you know, so uh, we got rid of that, thankfully. Uh, you know, I, I was like, this, I when they first announced the skills challenge things for the Pro Bowl, I'm like, this is this seems kind of silly. And then I watched them like, oh, wait, this is actually really fun. So um, I may definitely check that out for sure. Uh, we'll see if I watch any flag football, but the skills challenge things are actually kind of fun. I also remember um, I'm rambling here at the end of the show, but. Major League Baseball used to have a full-on skills competition beyond just the home run derby. I remember going, I, I say that because I remember going way back in the late 1900s when I was like 10 years old to Oakland the year they had the All-Star game. And we went the day before 
And they had a whole set of skills challenges. The home run derby was like the headlining event and it was the thing that went last. But I remember like, I think they had like a base running competition to see who could like round the bases the fastest. Love it. Uh, I think they had like a, uh, a a throwing accuracy where you were in the outfield and you, you know, who was the most accurate thrower from like right field. Um, I want to say they even had like a, a hitting challenge where like, you know, you had targets out in the outfield and you tried to hit targets and I've, i feel like tony gwynn won that because why wouldn't he <laughs> yeah. um but it's like i i remember this vividly as a 10 year old and i say this to people and they look at me like i'm growing a third arm like no one remembers this apparently but me uh so i don't know if i had a fever dream and i just it just has become like a real hallucination but i swear to you that major league baseball had one and i want them desperately to bring it back that's all. I'm with you. Like that. That's what I. I want to see these amazing athletes be amazing. And yeah. like, I. I saw. I believe it's Japan. They do like a bunting skills challenge, but like you get different points for where you can bunt the ball. And I'm like, let's bring all of this back. Like, let's let well, these guys showcase their talent. Other than the ten guys who can like, hit the ball 500 feet. I mean. The American ball players would stink at the bunt challenge because we don't bunt anymore. <laughs> like we've just taken that out of the game, so that part would probably wouldn't work. Like it would be like you know they bring back Ichiro and he would just dominate it or something like that. It'd be amazing. Did you see that Ichiro apparently like a month ago showed up to? And now I'm rambling, but he uh, he showed up to like a high school girls team in Japan and, like, struck and out a ton a of them. Through like a no hitter, (laughs) (laughs) he struck out a ton of these like high school girls, and then like got a couple of hits too. I'm like, and like everybody was like down with it. Like this was just a thing that happened, and nobody was just like, oh yeah, he's like you know taking advantage. Like no, like it was just a thing that Ichiro did, and it was like, yeah, this is cool. I'm pretty sure Ichiro in a couple years he might he might show up to Q's like little league game or something like that. Like he just wants to play baseball. He doesn't care who it's against. Absolutely. Absolutely. I absolutely love it. I do think he gave up a couple of hits because I remember somebody saying we should find the girl that got a hit off of Ichiro. Oh, okay. And see if maybe she wants a futures contract (laughs) in America (laughs) or something. (laughs) Something like that. So uh yeah. That'd be fun. Um, could you imagine that though? Like, you know, Tom Brady shows up to a high school and just starts, uh, you know, puts on a helmet, and just starts throwing passes and like carving up high school defenses or something like that. Let's get Derrick Henry to do so. Just running oh. back the greatest high school career you, ever. You would, you would hurt high schoolers. That would be, <laughs> that would be scary for sure. Uh, all right. That's a, that's a good spot for us to stop rambling. Uh, we'll be back with you on Tuesday. Yeah, we'll start prepping for the Super Bowl and, uh, you know, we'll figure out what we do from there. But the, that'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. Enjoy the weekend. Stay dry if you're in Southern California. Uh, and we will talk to you all next week. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.